All right, we'll turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, Gospel of John, chapter 3, and I will read uh, verse 1 to 21. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you've come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. I've been uh, wanting to preach a message on the new birth on the doctrine of regeneration uh, this summer. And uh, so uh, this is just one standalone uh, message and uh, on, on the new birth. And actually it turns out to be kind of an introduction and, and even a celebration of our uh, uh, beginning to study the Gospel of John as well in our um, uh, Sunday school uh, class. And the new birth and teaching on the new birth is an important feature of the Gospel of John. And so it uh, is something we hear about, and especially here in this passage. So this is just uh, one message to give you on um, the new birth. And then uh, next week, we'll go back to resume what we were doing uh, when the summer started, which is uh, the epistle to the Romans. And we'll be able to finish that up, go through verse by verse uh, each week. So the new birth, the new birth, the new birth is an exciting thing to experience for yourself. It's the most exciting thing you could experience uh, for yourself or also to see someone else experience it because you can see it, right? You can't, you can't uh, see it 
it's invisible, but you can see the effects of it. Um, the Lord said that when he talked to Nicodemus, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it's going. And so the wind blows, you can't really see the wind, but you can see what the wind does. You can see the leaves being moved uh, by the wind and other things being moved in the wind. You see the effects of uh, the wind. And it's the same with the new birth. The new birth can't be seen. It's invisible. A physical birth could be seen. <laughs> but the, this birth uh, can't be uh, seen. But the result of it is the person who experiences the new birth becomes a new person. Becomes a new person. Uh, walking in freedom from condemnation from the law which brings into bondage and uh, uh, slavery. Knowing God as father, that's an effect of uh, the new birth. Clinging to God's word, treasuring his word, and trusting in uh, God's word. Being transformed from a life dominated by sin to a life walking with the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's, a, that's an effect of the new birth. Living for others and not for yourself. That's an effect of the new birth, and that's why it's, uh, it's wonderful when you start to see that in another person who's been dominated by concern for themselves, and, and suddenly they're, they're concerned about others. And uh, you say, well, that, I know what that is. That's, that's, uh, that is the new birth. So are you born again? Are you born again? And uh, how would you know if you are born again? What does it feel like to be born again? And what should you do if you're not? Uh, uh, born, a ba- born again. Well, we can't talk about the new birth for very long. If you start out trying to talk about the new birth from the Bible, you can't talk about it for very long without talking about our friend Nicodemus, Nicodemus and John uh, chapter three. Um, you, your stereotypical thought of a Pharisee might be someone who's very dull, plodding, somebody with no imagination. Uh, but that was not true of Nicodemus. Because uh, he heard about someone who was doing signs, and he, he was curious about him, and he, he wanted to find out more about him. And uh, the more he found out, the more he was haunted by uh, uh, something about this, and he couldn't stop thinking about it, and he wanted to find out more about Jesus. And uh, uh, was somewhat ashamed of it, or pressured uh, not to uh, show interest uh, overtly, well, by day. So he comes to him uh, by night. And so uh, I, I think Nicodemus was a curious person. Uh, and his curiosity was piqued by the Lord. And he found himself in a one-on-one uh, setting in an interview with uh, the Lord. And so that's where John chapter 3 picks up. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you've come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. That was a, a really nice thing to say, uh, to start off with. The, you know, he called him Rabbi, gave him a very respectful uh, a title, and then said something nice. It said, uh, we know that you've come from God as a teacher. Uh, you do these signs. They're amazing, and uh, uh, we know that no one can do those kind of signs if God is with him. Uh, Nicodemus's friends, other Pharisees from Jerusalem, hadn't been so polite when they came by day, and they talked to John the Baptist and asked him who he was and uh, what he was uh, doing. They they just they didn't address him so respectfully. John chapter one verse nineteen. 
testimony of John when the Jews sent him to, to the priests, sent to him priests and Levites, friends of Nicodemus, from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? You know, they didn't address him very respectfully. Uh, and they had been sent by the Pharisees and they asked him and said, why then are you baptizing if you are not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor uh, the prophets? So uh, um, Nicodemus came to the Lord, gave him a respectful uh, greeting. And you might think that Jesus would say something nice to him in return and commend him for what he had done so far. Um, uh, thank you, Nicodemus. Blessed are you. Uh, for your industry, for your braveness, uh, for your fair-mindedness, uh, for your politeness. May your diligence find a reward. You know, you might have thought, that would be a nice thing to say, something like that in uh, return. But uh, he didn't He didn't say that. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Sorry, Nicodemus. But the kingdom that I'm announcing can't even be seen. At all. It's not worth talking about. It's not worth uh, uh, being seen, at least, uh, unless you clear the first hurdle, which is to be born again, which is to be born again. And that's the first thing he said. It's introduced with this truly, truly. In other words, you have to listen hard uh, to this. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus couldn't believe what the Lord told him. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. Can he? Now, uh, he asked this question and uh, he, he uh, expresses this to the Lord and he asks it in some uh, detail. And some have thought that since Nicodemus mentions physical and tangible things like uh, his mother or someone's mother here uh, and her womb, and the idea of an old man going back into his mother's uh, womb. And he uses that to express his uh, incredulity with what the Lord just told him, that you have to be born again in order to see the kingdom of uh, of God. That what Nicodemus was choking on and didn't, didn't catch was that the Lord was talking about something spiritual and invisible and unseen instead of uh, physical. And that the Lord was not being literal when he was speaking about a birth not a, a literal kind of birth, but that the Lord was uh, using a metaphor. He was using a, a picture of uh, a spiritual uh, a, a birth. And so uh, according to that way of understanding what Nicodemus is expressing here, the Lord next had to kind of bring Nicodemus back on track to tell him uh, that he was uh, talking about uh, a picture, something invisible, something spiritual. And then Nicodemus was not so incredulous about what the Lord uh, was uh, telling him. But I think... Instead, I think rather than that, uh, Nicodemus was probably the last person in the world's history who would miss a metaphor, who, who, who would go over his head, uh, and he wouldn't catch it when somebody was teaching a spiritual truth with a metaphor. Uh, the Pharisee rabbis almost always taught in metaphors, and uh, you know, all teachers like to use metaphors, but the uh, Pharisee rabbis of, uh, of Nicodemus's day were kind of extreme. I mean, they used them more than most teachers. And uh, Nicodemus was one of them, and he was one of the best of them. In fact, in verse 10, the Lord is going to call Nicodemus the teacher, uh, indicating that Nicodemus at that time was probably the most popular teacher in Jerusalem. He was a very good teacher. He knew how to teach using a metaphor, and he knew how to catch 
uh, a metaphor uh, as well. Nicodemus couldn't believe his ears, not because he didn't know that the Lord was using a figure, but because he did and because he knew what it meant that you must be born again. The new birth means death. The new birth means death. The new birth means starting over from the beginning. The new birth means that everything that you know and thought about God is wrong. And the new birth means that what you have always thought was the best part of yourself. You know you're not perfect. You've always known that. But new birth means that what you've always thought was was the best part of yourself before God is actually your greatest hindrance before God. And uh, uh, something that's keeping you from the salvation that God uh, has for you, keeping you from knowing uh, the one true God. And so the new birth, the new birth is, at least in part, a death. The new birth is a death. New birth is a death of a dream. The dream of reaching up to God uh, and being acceptable to him for, uh, for who you are. Uh, Nicodemus thought that Jesus would be a help to him in that dream, in accomplishing that dream. That's what he was doing. He was very good at it, uh, better than uh, anybody else uh, around him. And Nicodemus thought that Jesus would be a help in him, another step along the way to help him accomplish that uh, dream. And Jesus told him from the start that his dream had to die, that he had to start over differently, in a totally different way, with a totally different quality of life. And that there's no way he can do it. There's no way he can start over like that. There's no way he can start over with this new quality of life. And so Nicodemus's question, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter into a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? It doesn't mean he missed what the Lord is saying. It means he caught it and threw it back. You know, he, he caught what the Lord was uh, uh, telling him. The old man here that Nicodemus is talking about, how can a man be born again when he's old, is Nicodemus, Nicodemus himself, he's the old man. And why can't an old man enter into his mother's womb and be born again? Well, because it would kill him, an old man. We, we pray for uh, uh, mothers that are expecting. In fact, I meant to do that when I was praying just, just this morning and forgot. I always forget something I mean to uh, pray for uh, in the morning. But we pray for uh, expecting mothers fervently uh, because birth is a danger, even for a, a nearly perfect uh, baby who's tiny and suited uh, for that and created uh, by by God. An old man would never su- survive that process. It would kill him. And it's a ridiculous uh, idea and uh, a ridiculous uh, concept. But Nicodemus knew that what the Lord was talking about meant a kind of death. The new birth meant a kind of death. And that's what he's talking about. That's what he is uh, incredulous uh, about when he says, how can a man be born when he's old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? He's not speaking about biology. He's speaking about spiritual truth. And he's, he's answering the Lord in kind uh, when, he, when he speaks in this way. So are you born again? Do you know what it feels like to be born again? How would you know what it feels like? Well, the new birth means death. And the character of the new birth is that it bestows death. Sometimes the new birth and the new life, the quality of the new life that it brings, I think is often approached from the wrong end, approached uh, from the wrong uh, handle, where it's pointed out, rightly, actually, as far as it goes, that apart from the new birth, all moral efforts against sin, no matter how hard you try, can't succeed. 
They're doomed uh, to failure. You're stuck uh, in your sins apart from the new birth. But with the new birth, you have the potential to successfully overcome sin. Uh, and that is true. But that's often how the new birth is handled, just like that and only like that. Uh, in that way, do you feel do you feel this potential in you to actually overcome sin, even if you're failing? Because that's when you're wondering uh, for yourself about uh, the new birth. Yes, you're failing. But do you have that potential to overcome sin? And if you do, you're born. You've been uh, born again and you uh, participate in uh, that new life. So the question becomes, do you feel uh, the potential in you to overcome uh, sin? Well, the new birth doesn't come and manifest itself as a sudden elevation of your powers. No, the new birth lays you down flat, like Saul on the road to Damascus. That's a picture of somebody being born again, uh, where, where the Lord appears to him on, the, on the, or the road to Damascus, and he's humbled to the dust as the light shines uh, all, uh, all around him. So how can you have your pride humbled like that? Humbled in a way that's like death. That's, that's what you should be asking. Has that happened to me? Have I had my pride humbled like uh, in a death and in such a way that brings about life? In such a way that brings about uh, life. And Nicodemus hears about this uh, new birth and he says, it's, this is uh, pre- preposterous. This is preposterous. How can this be uh, that a man be born again when he's old? Nicodemus was not a fool. He was a good student. Uh, he was a good teacher uh, uh, as well. And because it's so difficult to be born again, for your pride to be humbled, for you to start over uh, and learn everything new and have a totally new quality of life for that humbling death uh, to result in uh, new life, new abilities, uh, new desires. Only God can bring it about. Only God uh, can bring about and only God can bring it about in a way that man can't even make a contribution to. A human being can't even make a, a contribution to it. And so the Lord uh, answers the question that he, or it's actually an objection that uh, Nicodemus says with another truly, truly, verse 5. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going. So is everyone who is born of uh, of, of the spirit. God causes it. You can't contribute to it. And that's why the Lord, uh, speaks of it, uh, it, by analogy, just like, uh, physical birth. Uh, that which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is the spirit. And just as you didn't contribute anything to your physical birth, it happened to you. So also you don't contribute anything to your spiritual birth, uh, uh, either. And so uh, in order for this to take place, God has to do it all. He has to do it all. And he does. He does do it all. Uh, and that's what the Lord explains uh, to Nicodemus. He does it for some. He doesn't do it for all. It doesn't, doesn't cause the new birth uh, for everyone. Uh, but he uh, does uh, for some. The wind blows where it wishes, blows on some, doesn't blow on others. And you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So is everyone who's born of the Spirit in the same way, in such a way that... No one can say the spirit blew on me because I did something or because I was a certain way. No, it's uh, like the wind that you don't know where it is and where it's going. And so when it blows on you, you say, why me? And there's no answer to that except for the Lord's free grace uh, towards uh, towards you. 
Well, Nicodemus has another question, and I, I kind of want to focus in on uh, that one. He has two questions. He's already asked the first one, and the first question was kind of a, a protest. Uh, it, it was to say that what the Lord said about the new birth and about uh, uh, to even enter the kingdom of heaven, you'd have to start over, Nicodemus. You would have to start over. Uh, uh, was preposterous to him. And so his first question was to express incredulity. Uh, and that's in verse 4. How can a man be born again when he's old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? And when the Lord answers him, yes, because the Lord does it all. The Lord is the one who accomplishes uh, this. He asked the second question. It sounds a little bit similar, but I think it was it's with a different purpose. Nicodemus said to him, verse 9, how can these things be? And I, I think this time he's not asking uh, uh, to just to make an objection, saying I don't agree uh, with the Lord, but he's, he's actually asking for information. How does how does the Lord accomplish? How does the Holy Spirit blow on a person and cause them uh, to be uh, born again? What does God do to bring about uh, the new birth uh, in in uh, someone in, in in a way that man can't even contribute uh, to? Uh, G. Campbell Morgan, who I, I like uh, his commentary on this passage, he says, uh, Nicodemus said, how can these things be? His first question meant, can they be at all? The second question meant, what is the process? And so uh, the Lord answers uh, after uh, in verse 10 about how the Lord uh, brings about uh, the new birth. And uh, he starts in an interesting way by saying, in a surprising way, Nicodemus, don't you know? Don't you know already? Uh, verse uh, 10. Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Uh, Nicodemus, a, a child can understand this. In fact, that's why you don't understand it. Is because this is something that uh, even a child can understand. You should know it from scripture. You're a teacher. You're the best teacher uh, of Israel. Are you the teacher of Israel and you do not understand uh, these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we've seen and you do not accept our testimony. He's objecting to it at first. I told you earthly things and you do not believe. How will you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And here's what he tells them. No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the son of man. No one has ascended into heaven. That's what Nicodemus was trying to do. That's what has to die in order for someone to be born again. But he who has descended from heaven the son of man. And when God brings about the new birth, he does it by showing you his son, not, not by helping you ascend to heaven. Yeah, that has to die. That has to die. You have to start over uh, from that. But by showing you the one who descended all the way down uh, uh, to, to heaven, sorry, from heaven uh, to uh, earth, uh, the one who came uh, to die, actually, and so uh, he speaks of one place in Scripture. Nicodemus knew all about Scripture. He speaks of one place in Scripture which talks about the Lord presenting his son and doing, and that's the way in which he causes the new birth by showing uh, his son and especially the death of his son. And he points Nicodemus to a, a familiar story of the Old Testament, of the Pentateuch, of uh, the children of Israel sinning, the Lord sending them fiery serpents who bit them. Uh, and it's, it, they, uh, terrorize the camp and people are dying, uh, right, uh, and left. And the Lord tells Moses to put a serpent on a pole and lift it up. And the one who looks at the serpent will live. And, uh, so, uh, this is, uh, 
the way, one way in which the Lord presented how he causes the new uh, uh, birth by revealing something ugly, that's the, a serpent uh, on a pole, something revolting, something hard to look at, something that shows you the nature of your own problem. That's, that was their problem. They had these fiery serpents and they're looking at uh, the same thing. Something that is the very last place you'd expect to find God, the last thing you'd think would uh, represent God. And that's what he does when he shows us the Son of Man hanging on a cross, his mangled body. That's that's what our sin deserves because he comes to pay the substitute, to pay the penalty for what we deserve and see, see him hanging there and you recognize, well, that's what I deserve. That's who I am, even at my best, even the best part of me. That's what I deserve before God. I deserve God's wrath. I deserve shame. Uh, I deserve uh, the pain and the death. Uh, that he suffers, and yet that's where God is meeting me. The very last place I'd expect to look at a condemned criminal hanging uh, upon a cross, and that's the way in which the Lord causes the new birth. Nicodemus, don't you know? Don't you know? All scripture points to this. All of the Old Testament points to this, even this story uh, in uh, of the children of Israel and, and the serpents and this serpent being lifted on a pole that the one may look at him, just look at him, and uh, might uh, live. That's the way in which the Lord causes the new birth, by showing you Christ, by showing you Christ and him uh, crucified. And so the Lord says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. He didn't explain all about the crucifixion. Nicodemus would learn that in the years uh, following what it means for the son of man to be lifted up. But it's for the same purpose so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. And that's the way. That's how. God shows, God accomplishes the new birth is always by showing his son. One Bible teacher I know of, who's actually sort of is in our circles, urges unbelievers first to see if they can feel new desires, holy desires, new desires working through them. And if so, yes, that's the new birth. And then you should trust in Christ. That's wrong. He has a lot of good things to say, but uh, he's wrong uh, about that. He's got that backwards. He's got that backwards. In order to be born again, you have to look to Christ. You have to, and, and in order to cause the new birth, he shows you Christ. He shows you uh, Christ himself. And so you're, you, you are uh, born again by trusting in Christ. That is uh, the cutting edge of, uh, of uh, the new birth. In order for you uh, to be born again, the most vital part of your sin has to be killed, has to be killed uh, or struck a, a mortal uh, blow as, so that all the ugly things arranged under uh, that sin are uh, uh, destroyed uh, as well. And that is that you have to despair of this dream of somehow presenting yourself uh, to God and being acceptable uh, to him, you have to despair of that uh, quest. That's the worst sin. And the only way in which that uh, uh, sin can be killed and you can let go of that righteousness of your own that you're uh, holding on to is by seeing Christ, seeing Christ uh, crucified, seeing him hanging there on the cross, realizing that uh, there's nothing you can do to avoid uh, uh, being in that place in God's sight. And yet in that sight, you see his love for sinners his love for the most uh, undeserving. You can't despair of that quest of cleaning yourself up uh, uh, for God. In fact, even a bad man will cling to his uh, righteousness because that's all he's got. 
And he's got it in a death grip until he sees the sight of Christ on a cross. J.C. Ryle says, uh, men will eat mice and rats in a time of famine. And we must not marvel when souls uh, feed on trash and garbage when they're debarred from God's word. And so somebody who uh, who doesn't know about Christ, who doesn't know about his love, doesn't know about uh, Christ crucified will hold on to trash and garbage, will hold on to his own righteousness even if he knows he's a bad person, uh, instead of letting go of it, letting go of it and uh, trusting only in Christ. And that's the way in which God accomplishes uh, the new birth. He accomplishes the new birth by showing us Christ crucified like that horrible serpent lifted up on a pole, Christ uh, crucified uh, in the same way. And yet in that, you see of God a new kind of love, a holy love, a holy love, and yet a holy love for the most undeserving sinners. And so uh, after um, telling Nicodemus how the Lord brings about uh, the new birth by lifting up the Son of Man, that whoever believes Trust in him will have uh, eternal life. Uh, John in his gospel starts speaking about God's love. And uh, this is John 3.16. And um, commentators aren't sure whether the Lord is still talking to Nicodemus at this point and lengthening what he said or whether he stopped here about the serpent lifted up on a pole and the Son of Man being lifted up so that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Because um, it may be that John, the gospel writer here, adds his own commentary and and the reason for that is because it sounds it starts to sound a lot like the prologue to the uh, gospel of john uh, that we looked at today in uh, uh, sunday school and it seems uh, perhaps to relate to that i I guess there's no way to know uh uh, for sure but uh, as the lord speaks of the son of man being lifted up like a serpent on a pole that whoever looks to him uh, shall live he also starts talking about love love and this holy love of God for the undeserving. For God so loved the world, and this way loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God, God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten uh, son of God. Uh, when you're born again by a sight of Christ and of that kind of love of God uh, behind it, sending, giving his uh, own son, when you're born again in that way and you experience a death, a kind of death is kind of the cutting edge of that uh, new birth, your, your dream of knowing God in any other way except apart from that love as it's given to you uh, in Christ as that dream uh, dies, then you begin to partake of that love. The new birth does bestow new powers on you and new abilities upon you, including abilities to uh, conquer sin. But all of those new powers and new abilities are suffused with this kind of love, a love that has died and been resurrected, a love for the undeserving. And so the holiness that is produced in you, uh, the ability to conquer sin that is yours uh, through the new birth, all of it is tainted. It's, it's pictured. It's tinctured by this love by this same kind of love that sent uh, the Lord uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. Just as the cutting edge of the new birth is a death, is a death, so also the cutting edge of that new life is always death too. In other words, every step of growth along the way for the new life that the new birth uh, brings and that you grow into is uh, brought about by a kind of death. 
uh, a kind of death of knowing God in any other way except for through his son. And that's why we're, you're told uh, in scripture to mortify the flesh. A Christian is told this, to mortify the flesh and the deeds of the flesh, the sinful desires uh, that come uh, from us. You're to put them to death, not just by stunning it like an insect that you hit and then he kind of comes back to life uh, after a while, but you're to be killing it. You're to be mortifying the flesh. And how? By living next to Christ's cross. The same way that you're born again. And then you experience that death uh, and the growth uh, that comes with it. And it's a, and that crucified and resurrection love for the most undeserving. And then you showed a similar kind of love for the most undeserving uh, as well. The Lord talks about a love and he talks about a light. He talks about a light as well in uh, in this passage or John, if he's the one uh, who's doing it. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world and men love the darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth, he who, who does the right thing, comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. It comes to a light that changes him. And so, like in the beginning of John's uh, gospel, he speaks of a light shining that turns darkness to light. And that's what we need. A light that turns darkness to light. Uh, and uh, this is uh, the light of Christ uh, himself. So when you're illumined by this light, when the darkness within you turns into light, because of the light of Christ and the love uh, of Christ, you become a new person with a new nature through the new birth. Not uh, not an angelic nature, in other words, uh, not an alien, not something that's different from a, a human being. That's not what this new nature is. Uh, a real human being, stamped with your personality that God uh, created, and, and there's no one quite like you. Sin actually squelches. Uh, your uh, personality, uh, sin doesn't enhance your uh, uh, personality. The new birth does. The new birth uh, uh, does. And so as the new birth takes hold of your life and grows, and the new nature uh, uh, grows, it brings about the personality that you ought to be if it weren't for the darkness of sin. This is the light that shines and turns darkness to light. And the key character of that new nature being brought about in you through the new birth through Christ is love, is love uh, for uh, the undeserving. The nature of that new person uh, is an indestructible nature that clings to God's word. It says, oh, how I love your law. So you can say like the psalmist in Psalm 119, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation uh, all uh, the day. So the power of the new birth is the same as the power of the new life. Uh, it's a power that that uh, humbles your heart to dust in in in, in, in a death, and it continues uh, to do that even as you grow, in order to bestow on you a new kind of life and a new kind of uh, light. And so, if your circumstances are humbling you right now, Christian. Take heart. Keep going. Don't be amazed. As the Lord said to Nicodemus, the Lord is showing you a special grace. The Lord is working out the character of the new birth in you. Those circumstances that are humbling are not to destroy you. They're to work out 
the wonders of the new birth as they direct your attention to Christ, the light that is shining. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for Christ. We thank you, the one who said, I am the light of the world. And we thank you that this light has shined on us and it's revealed nothing but darkness and it's illumined that darkness uh, through the new birth, through the new nature, uh, which is love, which is a unexplainable, unfathomable love. Father, we pray that uh, our sinfulness, all the characteristics of our old uh, nature, that old man who needs to die, who needs to be uh, born again, who is born again, and who is um, learning more and more of what it means to be uh, born again. We pray that that old nature would be more and more mortified, that the new nature would take more and more hold, that you show us our need more and more uh, for Christ and direct our eyes to him. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.